if you're like me, you pay attention to the economy, or at least you pay attention to the news and see what's going on in the cycles, uh, the markets, and, and, and trying to see what's going to happen in your own retirement. And today I thought we'd have a repeat visitor on. His name is Frank Roach. He's an economist. He's former adjunct professor at Elon University. He's an author, uh, all-around great guy. Frank, welcome in. Hi, Pete. Great to be with you today. Yeah, and you're also an author, too, aren't I you? I am, yeah. I recently wrote a book called Five, The Five Structural Barriers to American Strength and Prosperity, laying out what I think are the serious policy issues confronting the economy. And there are a lot of policy issues these days, aren't there? <laughs> There's a bunch. It's more than five, but I wanted to leave a short list for the reader. Well, we have a short attention span here as Americans, so five is a good place to start. Let's talk about some of them. Yeah, well, it starts right off the bat, Pete, with what I believe the number one policy issue confronting Americans today, and that's immigration policy. Yeah. And particularly what's happened since President Obama has come into office. We've had recent data over the past months that indicate that wage growth is a real problem for America, that job growth is a real problem for America, that wealth creation is. And it's tied to the competition we have as citizens of America with immigrants coming from foreign countries. So how can you let more people into the supply field, I guess, of employees, and at the same time talk about raising the minimum wage? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, does it? Doesn't. It doesn't. You you're just touching on a basic concept <laughs> of supply and demand, right? More yes. labor should cause wages to go yes, lower. That's right. Well, uh, sadly, that's the, the stark reality of the policy challenge, whoever's the cause. We know that this increase in labor supply has been a depression on wages, so they are trying to use government policy to increase wages on their own. Yeah, but that doesn't, that never works. It's, I mean, it's, it, it hasn't, hasn't ever worked in any society ever, and the, actually what does is it collapses that society a lot quicker than it would have collapsed on its own. Well, that's true. There's no question about that. One of the less obvious impacts of this type of stuff, minimum wage hikes, is the impact on teenage unemployment. Yep. When you see the increase in the minimum wage hike over the past 20 years throughout America, and specifically in particular states, you can see really large jumps in teenage unemployment because when you're going to pay that much money for an employee, they're going to more likely be an adult and work closer to full-time. Yeah, and, and what employers have to do is figure out who to lay off or who to cut hours if they're going to have to pay more per hour. Right, that's I mean, right. it doesn't make any sense. And then if you pay everybody more, then everything's going to cost more. So you're going to buy the same amount of goods and services at the end of the day that you would have got if you were paid less many right. times. Now, of course, those that advocate for high minimum wage are hoping, Pete, and you know this as well as I do, they're hoping that employers, that business owners, will let their margins contract. Yeah. So, so they'll take the heat instead of passing it on to the consumer. That's a, that's a touchy bet. But, Frank, most businesses, and, and I know the, the vision is everyone's Donald Trump with billions of dollars in their bank account because they're making money off the, the little measly employees. But most businesses I know are struggling right now. They're barely making do, and they're trying to, they're cutting back on their own personal expenses to keep an employer too. Well, I imagine that's that's one of the choices. Uh, I know as a business owner, that's the, that's what I go through yeah. every single day is, well, I'm not making a lot of money, but I, I don't want to lay people off. Right. So then what happens? I have to cut my own personal expenses down. I'm not making what people think I'm making, and a lot of business owners are the same way. Yeah, and it's interesting. Well, we live in a, a relatively prosperous area, Pete. And even though we do, you're referencing a lot of people struggling. We're struggling because the U.S. economy is struggling. It's not performing as it has in the past. And in fact, one could argue at this time in 2015 that we're, again, moving towards recession. Yeah. Now, let's look at – now, I heard – some political pundit was on TV the other day, uh, and they were they let it slip. And I, I don't think they wanted this to come out. 
But they said one of the main reasons why maybe this illegal immigration was happening is to get them on a payroll where they have to pay Social Security taxes because our Social Security administration is in so much trouble. Yeah. What do you think about that idea? Well, I think that argument is absolutely an argument used in behind closed doors by people in Congress. I know, but it came out through open doors. I know, so, I know. On TV one well, day. Well, it, it, it didn't have to be secret. Any, <laughs> any logical person could, could infer this from what they see happening. Right. And the reality is members of Congress that advocate for greater levels of immigration do so because they realize the fiscal mismanagement of U.S. government finance has been so bad that they need external people, foreign nationals, to come in and add tax revenue to the Treasury. Yeah. Uh, that's almost a zero-sum game, though. Unless the pie is expanding, it doesn't matter who's paying the taxes. But the problem is, once you let them into the system like that, then disabilities happen, so then the Social Security disability starts paying them and like you said, zero net sun game or worse, it, it costs a lot more money. Now, speaking of money and costing money, have you been following the markets? I know you follow the markets. I do, Pete, every day. What's been going on in China? Oh, my gosh. Chaos. <laughs> bubbles. Yes. You know, it's, it's bubbles bursting wow. all over the place. Mr. Bubble everywhere. Yeah, China is experiencing their, their 1920s, 1930s. Yep. And um, for those that don't know, over the past few years, the biggest players in the Shanghai Stock Exchange have not been big institutions like we have in here in the U.S. They are individual retail traders. Uh, remember, it's a communist nation, a closed economy, so it, it's quite different than the U.S. The margin levels for in, mar, uh, individual traders in China is at historic levels. They're not sophisticated people, and as a result of the burst in this bubble, chaos is ensuing with respect to margin trading in these small retail investors that are getting clobbered. You know, margin gets more little people in trouble than anything. That's and right. what happened in the last crash, I think the 2007 crash, and even before that, is people were taking money out of their home doing a home equity line, taking that money, giving it to their broker, using that money as collateral for, for margin. So they were, they were triple margining. Right. You know, banks 10 times margin a lot sure. of times, but the consumer doesn't need to be doing that because there's no one there to bail a consumer out, is there? That's right. And, and what the margin does for you, it allows you to trade larger size of a particular investment and therefore potentially make more money. But the corollary of that is you can potentially lose a lot more yeah, money. And that's it, what's happening in China. And what's stunning, is the injection by the communist government of government regulators into the market in a way that's going to sully the Chinese markets for years to come. And the government itself in China has been pouring a lot of money into that's the market. Right. Specifically buying stocks directly, Pete, in a way very few governments are allowed. Which could blow that bubble up even further before it pops. Absolutely. And we already saw about a 40% decrease in like three weeks in China a few weeks back. That's right. We're down 38% year Crazy. to date after reaching an all-time high this year. And um, we have more to go. There's, there's stocks on hold every day. The government is trying to find a way to withdraw their funds. It's not going to be a pretty ending. Now, when, they, when you look at uh, the Chinese investor, a lot of them invest in real estate. And they invest in real estate not just in China, but worldwide. So this could cripple the economies in other countries when they have to start pulling their money out or can't pay their bills. That's true. And we've, seen, we've already heard stories about that around the periphery of China, Singapore, Hong Kong, Japan, South Korea. Uh, those who pay attention to the real estate market in the U.S. know the Chinese have been flooding New York City, Washington, L.A., Miami. So this, Driving the prices up, too, by right, the way. That's right. Yep, and making so the another spillover, bubble. The spillover could hit the U.S. as well. Now, let's talk about Greece for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> we always have to talk about Greece. put a smile on my face. <laughs> Are we done talking about the no. Grecian formula? <laughs> no, and I'm sorry to be smiling at that, but that, it's so comical now. Yep. I feel just my heart breaks for the Greek people, although you know they have to lay in the bed they made for themselves. 
but it gets worse every single day. In fact, you know, we've heard multiple times over the past months about agreements that have been put in place. Yeah, you hear every just day. just go on to fail. Right. Because right. they can't negotiate the final details. And here's another payment that Greece has to make. And here comes another bridge loan for Greece to make their payment. The Ponzi scheme grows larger by the day. And the bridge loan is basically somebody loaning Greece money so they can pay back a loan they already owe. That's so right. it's just getting further and further in trouble. That's right. This is a Ponzi scheme. Yep. So the European Central Bank lends money to the Greek government so the Greek government can pay back the European Central Bank. None mm. of this money flows into the Greek economy. This isn't there to help Greek citizens. It's there to pay back creditors from the past. Now, when people look at Europe, they look at Germany as a strong place, but Germany could be a weak link in the future, couldn't they? Well, Germany remains the strong engine of growth in the Eurozone. Germany, like the rest of most of the industrialized world, is approaching recession again. But relatively speaking, Pete, compared to the other 17 member nations of the Eurozone, Germany is the standout. Germany controls the Eurozone in a way no one ever expected economically, politically, and now financially. Now, one of the things about Germany that people don't pay attention to is the fact that their population is getting older. That's right. Their, their age wave is hitting, and they don't have too much of an echo boom in there. An echo boom means when people are retiring, new people are coming into the workforce. Their population is getting older, not younger. That could be a big thing in the future. That's true, Pete. And, of course, as you know, most Western nations are suffering that same problem. We here in America. Even including Japan. Yep. Now, what's happening in, Euro, in the Eurozone right now that's going to mitigate that somewhat, even though there's a whole bunch of other problems, is a massive influx of human beings coming from North Africa and the Middle East as a result of the chaos that's ensuing there. But they bring with themselves their own set oh, of yeah. problems. All <laughs> kinds of other issues. So the population in terms of numbers is not as bad as one would appreciate because of the flood of human beings going into the Eurozone. But you're right. Germany has the same problem most of the Western world has with aging population. Now, Japan has been basically in disarray for a couple of decades now. Is it possible that something like that could happen here in America? It's possible. The strange thing about Japan, I know you travel a great deal, Pete. Not to Japan. If you, <laughs> if you go to Japan today, you'd, you'd be there. If you came from anywhere, wow, this is an impressive society. Right. Now, sadly speaking, though, they have so badly mismanaged their fiscal finances. We talk about debt in America. We talk about deficits in America. We talk about the chaos in Washington, D.C. Yeah. It's yeah. even worse on a grander scale in Japan. They are in debt way more than the U.S. is. They can't get out of their own way. They have a deflationary problem that's been in place for a long time. Their, their central bank is an active buyer of Japanese stocks and holders of Japanese stocks in a way that has huge systemic risk. Fortunately for Japan, they have a very well-educated society. They're a very productive society. If they get away from their, their politicians and start to tackle their debt problem, they could have a, a better outlook. But right now, they have a real risk in front of them, and they're dealing with China the, at the whole time. Yeah, and we thought that they would recover by now. A lot of people thought they'd recover yeah. by now. We're talking decades now. One final thing I want to talk about. When we talk about different countries, there's something called currency trading. And I know you are you're pretty much, I look at you as an expert on currency Thank trading. Thank you, sir. I call myself the same. Well, you know, Neil Cavuto, I was watching Fox Business one day. You were on with him and he called you a smart cookie that's right, right? actually smarty pants I think <laughs> so, is what he called me. Yeah. so let's talk about the currency trading how does somebody and we got a couple minutes here on the segment but how does somebody make money trading currencies Please. How do they lose, and how yeah, do they lose yeah. money? <laughs> um, right now, I, if, I, if someone came to me and said, I want to trade currencies, I'd say, please just wait. Wait until this grease stuff develops. But in the end, it's just like any financial market product. You have to open an account, which would be a margin trading account with some online broker, and you begin to trade just like any other product. Sell high and buy low or 
buy uh, or sell low and, and buy lower. Depending on which way you're going. That's you're right. For. Uh, the currency market is uh, tremendous volatility in the currency markets, tremendous amount of risk. And currency markets have become dominated by black box models, the algorithmic trading model. It's very difficult for human beings to be involved in the currency markets today. You cannot be a day trader today anymore in the currency markets. You're going to have to be a proprietary trader. Take a position with a view, with some time frame in mind that we're going to exit position. But it's very risky right now. So you're going uh, against robots right now, basically. All there, against robots. Yeah. And they are just faster. They see. Yeah. They don't have to see the screen. Look at algorithms numbers. and everything like that. And they analyze. It's like playing chess against a computer. That's right. When you have it on the highest level of, right. of uh, expertise. That's right. You right? just can't compete in terms of speed, in terms of getting the price that you want. And huge market moves as a result of uh, uh, reaching a, a technical point or a headliner event. So the individual trader is really at risk across the board in any financial product right now, but in particular in currency. So I, I say with a big bit of caution, be careful in currency markets yeah, today. I agree. Uh, one final question. I've asked this the last three or four people I've talked to on, on the show, and it's has nothing to do with what we've been talking about right now. But when I mention this one company to you, I want to know what you think about. And then we'll compare what you think about now to what you used to think about it. Okay. All right. That word is McDonald's. Ah. I love McDonald's. I eat McDonald's once a week for the past 40 years. And I can tell you, Pete, as a regular customer, McDonald's is going down. Yep. It's going now. Everyone thinks it's going down because of the, the health conscious issue of, of McDonald's. Nope. And that's got to be a factor. I'm telling you, that's not it. It's about customer service. It's about yeah. pricing. It's about quality of product. It's about what you get at McDonald's compared to what you used to get at McDonald's. Think about all the other burger places that have come up now that are boutique burger places yeah. that really kick McDonald's butt. Yeah. And you look forward to going to that place instead of McDonald's. And they're just as fast many times as McDonald's. And I still have a, a few shares of McDonald's, but I've done a dividend reinvestment program since high school in it. But I dumped most of my shares a couple weeks ago yeah. because I'm not loving it anymore. Yeah, that's very well said. <laughs> Give me a Big Mac meal, no cheese, with a Coke every once a week. I'll be happy as I can be. However... The company has to change its internal operating procedures. Service has to improve. You need to get people that speak English at McDonald's, first of all. And I would like to point out, I, you know, I'm an America first guy, Pete. McDonald's trouble started to turn about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, when they, when they hired their first foreign national to run the company. It was a British guy. And it's been downhill ever since. Yeah, it's, it's sad what happened to McDonald's. Because, I mean, I, and I have a Big Mac attack with the best of them. Yeah. I love the Big Mac, too. But, I mean, it's just not the top tier of burger places or even fast food restaurants anymore yeah. and it's a shame because it used to be that uniform service and uniform quality you get no matter where you went in the world right. and that's gone way downhill frank roach great to have you on i look forward to having you on again in the future thanks pete great to be with you and folks if you uh, want to listen to this interview again in its entirety or listen to other interviews from the show's past go to financialsafari.com and click on the as heard on the show icon we'll be right back after this